It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. We're continuing our conversation. We're staying with the question just a little longer today as it comes to religious liberty. Uh, as we mentioned in our previous segment, uh, that at uh, Notre Dame University, there's a religious liberty summit that's been happening over the past two days that will be moving forward, an annual gathering of thought leaders, world religious leaders uh, focused on religious liberty. And uh, we were talking earlier about uh, Cardinal Timothy Dolan and uh, just how important it is to correct the narrative uh, that uh, many have adopted that religious liberty has become an excuse to discriminate. Uh, Cardinal Dolan said that religious liberty used to be non-controversial. It's a no-brainer. He says, like mom, apple pie, the flag, and Newt Rockney. Uh, of course, a nice uh, Notre Dame reference there. Now some call it a buzzword for discrimination. Uh, he said uh, that religious freedom historically has been a reforming moderator of American life. And I think that's such an important thing to look at is what is the moderating force, the propelling force of faith and religious organizations and individuals uh, on our community. So I want to go back to his keynote address. This is Cardinal Timothy Dolan from New York. He said that religious liberty has been a driving force, not just for religious freedom, but for other freedoms. Freedom of religion has been the driving force of almost every enlightening, unshackling, noble cause in American history. Uh, I love that. That's a powerful statement. Uh, every enlightening, unshackling, noble cause in American history has been influenced in some way, shape, or form uh, through that. I want to go to, to uh, Dr. Uh, Jacqueline Rivers, uh, who, again, uh, is, a, is a Pentecostal. Uh, she focuses heavily on the black church and black Christians. And in some of her remarks, she said that uh, black Christians are really a sleeping giant in the cause of religious freedom. Here's what she said. We are the sleeping giant. I like the kind of irony of this visual because it speaks to the power of the faith, that this is a people who have powerful, active, passionate outpourings of faith, yet in, on the issue of religious freedom, we are the sleeping giant. Because we have seen many conservative Christians, not only white evangelicals, use their faith as a means to discriminate against black people. And so again, bringing everyone together there. Uh, I want to go now to Elder Quentin L. Cook of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, because he took on uh, what we often talk about on this program in terms of the false choice and this false claim that uh, protecting minority rights and religious freedom are mutually exclusive at, the, at polar opposites. Uh, but these are compatible principles. Here's what Elder Cook had to say. Some argue that upholding constitutional principles like religious freedom is adverse to protecting rights of minority groups in society. That is a false dichotomy. 
The doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints asserts that divinely inspired principles are contained in the United States Constitution and associated documents. Let me be clear, supporting the U.S. Constitution and advocating for strong, peaceful efforts to overcame overcome racial and social injustice are not opposites. Eliminating racism at all levels needs to be accomplished, and historically, religious conviction has been one of the great forces in accomplishing that goal. So eliminating racism, uh, other societal ills, uh, prejudice, injustice, uh, and all kinds of things in our history, uh, faith has an important part of that. And bringing people together to make those things happen uh, is vital. Uh, Cardinal Dolan talked about uh, how people of faith uh, really just want to be left alone to exercise their religion free, freely, not just at home, not just in the synagogue or the mosque or, or the church, uh, but in the public square. All we want to do, along with Cecil Calvert and Roger Williams and William Penn and John Carroll, is to be left alone. All we want, along with the Parson Patriots, Jonathan Edwards, Brigham Young, the abolitionists, William Jennings Bryan, Caesar Chavez, Dorothy Day, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, and the Reverend Martin Luther King, is the freedom to carry the convictions of a faith-farm conscience into our public lives. That's the freedom that Charles Carroll of Carrollton, the only Catholic to sign the Declaration of Independence, who risked his life, his family, his property, and the revolutionary cause, that's what led him to sign the Declaration, as he said, to obtain religious as well as civil liberty. I love that. Carry the faith, uh, carry a faith-armed conscience into the public square. Uh, is, is so vital. And whether that was uh, Rabbi Heschel, whether that was Martin Luther King Jr., uh, whoever it might be, that it is taking that f- faith-armed conscience uh, with us uh, into the workplace, uh, into the public square, uh, as well as into our homes and communities it is so vital. Uh, and this is where Elder uh, Quentin L. Cook uh, laid out what we should do to prevent society's tone deafness uh, from preventing us from accessing all the blessings that come from faith in many of those faith communities. So what can be done to prevent society's tone deafness to lose the beautiful music of faith that can bless us all? My plea today is that all religions work together to defend faith and religious freedom in a manner that protects people of diverse faith as well as those of no faith. Catholics, Evangelicals, Jews, Muslims, Latter-day Saints, and other faiths must be part of a coalition of faiths that succor, act as a sanctuary, and promulgate religious freedom across the world. Uh, So important uh, that we have that. And and I want to go to uh, something that Rabbi Soloviechek put another way. Uh, he, He said it this way. He said, we claim the right to be both a neighbor and a stranger to society. Take a listen. We as Jews seek to be neighbors. We seek to be fully part of society, the society in which we find ourselves. But we also demand, first and foremost, that we will the right to be as strangers set apart by our faiths, by our faith, and by our principles. 
engaging the world as neighbors while also like Abraham and Canaan, speaking candidly and eloquently about why we are different. Even as aspects of our own age have indicated that the going might indeed get tough. Nevertheless, in the process, we communities of faith have also found each other. And that at least is something to celebrate. And that is something to celebrate, uh, that we can look at the differences between faith communities. And while things may get tough, things may get hard, communities of faith have found each other. And to me, that's one of the exciting parts of this new summit uh, being held this year at uh, the University of Notre Dame, this Religious Liberty Summit. Uh, As I mentioned before, uh, next year, 2022, will be held in Rome. The following year, uh, 2023, will be held in Jerusalem. But it is this opportunity for uh, individuals and institutions of faith to find each other. Uh, And while uh, that oneness is not sameness, that recognition of the value that we can have our distinction without being divided, that differentiation uh, does not mean we have to have divisiveness, uh, that we can be united around common causes and common pursuits and the betterment of society. And as you look at the history, especially of this country, uh, that so many things began uh, in churches. You look at the the movement uh, that Dr. King led in such an inspiring way uh, that it was in the churches that so many things were organized and principles that uh, rang true in those communities that then rang true in other communities of faith. And I think it's just so vital that we we really come to and recognize that when we look at religious freedom in this country, uh, that religious freedom and minority rights, that those go together, that whether you are a person of faith or a person of no faith, uh, religious liberty matters to both those groups. Uh, too often we, uh, we're, we're quick to dismiss and, and want to get rid of uh, things that maybe we disagree with, not realizing that uh, our own thoughts may be next on the chopping block. Uh, and so, again, this was a, a great, uh, great event, a great summit, uh, and I think really the beginning of a conversation, really interesting in the, uh, the four uh, leaders that we heard from today, uh, this was not the first time they came together. Uh, this uh, group of four between uh, Cardinal Dolan, Elder Quentin L. Cook, Rabbi Soloviechek, and Dr. Rivers, uh, they've been working together for several years. They know each other. They've become friends. And because of that, they can celebrate their differences. They can be distinct and differentiated, but not divided in making sure that religious liberty continues to be a core element in the United States of America. All right, we're going to step aside for bottom of the hour break. When we come back, we're going to talk about federalism and was it the cause of increased deaths during the pandemic? LeVar Webb's going to help us break it down coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? 
Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.